Old routines die hard, like those multiple cups of coffee and sugary energy drinks to stay alert. Well, I discovered a healthier way to get the sustained energy I need without all the caffeine and sugar. Super Beats Heart Chews. I just unwrap a chew or two in the morning and let Super Beats Heart Chews do the rest. I feel great about what I'm doing for my health. Join me in the new way to start your day with Super Beats Heart Chews. I challenge you to try it for 30 days and give them your feedback. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. I've been taking Super Beats Heart Chews for years, and it's an easy and convenient on-the-go boost to your overall health and energy. Make Super Beats Chews an essential part of your busy day. To make it easy to get started, I got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. Hurry, it's their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com for up to 45% off. danasbeats.com. Well, we were hoping for the Supreme Court ruling in the Dobbs case today, but no such luck, but a big win for religious liberty and for school choice. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Dana Show. It is me, Rich Zioli, in for Dana today. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it very, very much. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's what we know. We know that the Supreme Court of the United States still has not ruled yet on Dobbs, but Dobbs is the case that will most likely overturn Roe v. Wade, knock on wood. Um, but but a win in Maine for religious liberty and school choice. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But there's a lot of details coming out about the response in Uvalde and the police response there at the Robb Elementary School and uh, uh, incredibly chilling images and, and so um, much anger and frustration over the response that happened there. And the head of the Texas Department of Public Safety has come out and said that this was an abject failure. Um, it's it, the whole thing is 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 just so incredibly frustrating and heartbreaking and and all of it and we're learning so much more about it right now and I'll give you details throughout the afternoon but you know I think the big takeaway is that you had several several officers there who wanted to go in and they were not allowed to go in and that's got to be so frustrating to them officers who were waiting to go and confront the shooter and and could not go in because of orders. Um, that's what they got to get to the bottom of. And that's the kind of thing that as a parent just makes my blood boil. And I'm sure it makes your blood boil too. This this notion that there's this, this, this shooter in there. And you've got an officer saying, if there's kids in there, we need to go in. And they had guns and shields and tools, but not clear orders. And that's that's really what we're learning right now. And the Department of Public Safety Director Steve McCraw says officers um, could have taken down the gunman within three minutes had the commander not hesitated. So, I mean, it, it seems as if, by all accounts, everything I'm reading, you had very brave police officers who wanted to go in and wanted to confront this guy, and they were ordered not to. And that is where we are right now in this terrible moment as we're reviewing all this but what mcgraw testified today before the texas senate committee was saying that the uh basically i mean it's the, the boss here he told the senate committee that the police could have stopped the shooter um, but the inexplicable conduct by uvalde school district police chief pete arandondo was antithetical to two decades of police training since Columbine happened, which dictates that officers confront active shooters as quickly as possible. And the pictures that they're releasing today are showing that officers waited an hour while they were armed, while they, they, they had the ability to, to confront him. And, and, and 
My God, is it, imagine that. Now you're in one of these classrooms, you're a teacher, you're a student, you're calling 911, and the cops are right outside the classroom, but they're just not confronting the shooter. The officers had weapons, the children's had none. The officers had body armor, the children had none, McGraw said. The officers had training, the subject had none. One hour, 14 minutes, and eight seconds. That's how long children waited and the teachers waited in room 111 to be rescued. Look, obviously, I mean, I have the highest respect for law enforcement, and I could understand the frustration these cops have. I mean, I'm the son of a cop, so I, I get it. I, I do. And, but it's also a great reminder of, of why just putting your safety and your security into the hands of the state is, is just it's, it's a mistake to do because, unfortunately, sometimes the state makes some very tragic decisions. And in this case, clearly, the guy who was the boss on the scene, Aaron Dondo, um, he made horrible choices, terrible choices there. And it is an abject failure. There's no other way to put it. And, and they've been pl- blaming guns for all this. But, I mean, my God, if the police had been able to confront the shooter, this could have been over and lives could have been saved and decades of heartbreak could have been just completely cleansed. And, and yet now we're going we're gonna to be living with this forever because of this response. And this is... I think what is causing so many people today to just say, how can we make sure something like this never happens again? And it seems like by, by all accounts, they had everything they needed. They had the training. They had the tools. They had the guns. They had the resources. They had the defense uh, procedures that they needed. But it, was, it came down to one guy, the chief, making this terrible call. How do you prevent that in the future? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But, you know, I'm a big believer in the fact that you got to have people inside that building who are armed. And I, I, I truly believe that in my soul that you need to have. If you don't have cops inside that building, imagine if there was a cop every day inside that school and knew that school inside and out and was 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 stationed in the school when that guy walked in. Or if a teacher had been armed. I told you yesterday the bill in Pennsylvania that would uh, Doug Mastriano, who's running for governor as a Republican, his bill would allow teachers and other staff members to be armed good great bravo bring it because i i I mean imagine yourself in that situation there's some psychopath mowing down kids you've got a gun on you you're going to go and confront him you're not going to wait you're just going to go and you're going to you're going to do what you have to do and you don't have to worry about the bureaucracy of of the state coming in and multiple orders and i guess there's all kinds of things coming out about there was questions regarding who was really in charge and which department was in charge and you know, this one officer who's on the scene who's saying, if there's kids in there, we got to go in. And then the other people on the scene are saying, we don't have the orders to go in. And that's what I mean. Who's in charge in figuring that out? But one officer, a special agent at the Texas Department of Public Safety, had arrived around 20 minutes after the shooting started. He immediately started asking, are there still kids in the classrooms? If there is, then then they just need to go in, he said. But another officer said it's unknown at this time. The agent shot back. You all don't know if there's kids in there. If there's kids in there, we need to go in there. And then the reply was whoever is in charge will determine that. The inaction appeared. I'm reading this from the Texas Tribune. The the inaction appeared too much for the special agent. He noted that there were still children in other classrooms within the school who needed to be evacuated. Well, there's kids over here, so I'm getting kids out. And this exchange, I mean, one of the officers actually even had... Um, a, a daughter in the school and this officer is stationed in the hallway and these cops are stationed in the hallway and the chief told them that they, the doors were locked the doors were never locked 
So all this is coming out right now, and as you can imagine, it's causing people to be absolutely furious. Furious. And the Texas Department of Public Safety Director, Steve McCraw, is testifying. I mean, they're going to throw this chief under the bus, and rightfully so. There's been nothing that's been demonstrated to me at this point that makes me think this chief made any good decisions that day. None whatsoever. And he's brought disgrace on his entire department for that. And there's nothing that makes me think this chief made a good call that day or a sensible call. And now you find out that the cops are all frustrated because they wanted to go in and they couldn't go in. I mean, imagine that. Imagine how you must feel if you're a police officer there and you're waiting and you're, and you're training and you're ready and everything in your gut and your being tells you to go and confront this guy, but you're not being allowed to do it. And so that's what we're watching right now. And it's, um, it's, just, it's just such a heartbreaking situation as all this comes out. I've said for a long time, you know, you got to have people in the school who are ready to respond within seconds, not minutes. And you just you can't wait for the response to enter the building and the breach the building because it's that breach that seems to be the problem. It always seems to be the problem is the breach. Now, how do you get inside the classroom? How do you get inside the school? All those situations that causes the delay in time. And obviously, because you don't want to send people in to be slaughtered because then that's that 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 doesn't help anybody so you want to figure out how to get in there with with minimal damage to to anybody obviously but it's but that's seconds that's time that's time you're wasting you know versus if the gym teacher or the shop teacher or the chemistry teacher is packing heat and they can go and confront the guy or you have a public school safety officer in the building i mean to me i don't know why as a parent with three kids in school, I don't know how anybody could be against that. Having somebody in the building who is ready to respond within seconds. And I've heard people say stupid things like, well, you know, they might freeze up with fear. Yeah, they might, but this chief obviously did. Or at least this chief showed a gross incompetence or cowardice or whatever it is. There's always the potential for something like that to happen. But I'll take my chances that that happens versus a situation where there's a psycho in there and then there's nobody there to confront him. And meanwhile, kids are sitting ducks. So I'll take that chance. That maybe they won't act in the greatest courage in that moment because they're human beings and they'll freeze up. But what I won't do is take the chance that that guy's going to have open season on the school while there are people are in, on the outside making battle plans to breach the building. And there's and and because literally every second is so precious. But what happens when a guy and 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 I'm just using Pennsylvania as an example. I mean, 25 states allow people to have armed people inside schools, and Pennsylvania now they're arguing over this. And what do critics of this say? They turn around and they go, well, the answer is not more guns in school. Now, you know, the answer is to get rid of guns. Yeah, but the problem is that psychos like this guy who are dying literally for fame and want to be fame no matter what, they will get guns no matter what. I mean, Dana talks about this all the time. It's 75%, over 75% of the guns that are used are purchased illegally in crimes. So obviously, it, it, these these people are planning this stuff. They're meticulous about it. Sometimes they'll plan this these kind of things for months, even years. So that's not go. That's not. It's not a realistic scenario to go. Oh, we just got got to get rid of guns. And people that say that with their this pie in the sky idea. Oh, we'll just snap our fingers and it'll all be better. And we don't have to worry about it anymore. And then they say, oh, we don't want guns in school because I go. Well, why why not? Well, uh, it's a bad environment. No, it's not. I'm not, I'm not talking about. You know, some kid's cheating on a test and the teacher takes out a gun and, you know, shoots the desk to teach the kid a lesson. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that if, God forbid, something like this happens, we know that 
if you're a person who is looking to be instant famous and you want to be a social media, not hero, but anti-hero, and you want to go down like this, I mean, schools are a prime target for it. It It is a place where th- these people can walk in and they can have a uh, gun-free school zone, number one, gun-free, that has to go. You got to change that. And they can walk in, they can do whatever the hell they want, and then they're going to go out in a blaze of glory, but then they're going to be famous, and that's what these people want because they're they're depraved. They're sick in the head. And the only way, the only way you're going to be able to deal with them, the only way is to put a bullet in their head and end it. It's, it's just the truth. There is no other way. You, you are never going to be in a situation where you're going to be able to talk one of these people down, where you're going to be able to uh, convince them to surrender. They don't want to surrender. They want to go out in a blaze of glory. That's part of why they do what they do. So until you have someone there who can confront the shooter, this is going to continue. This goes on. And that's the reality. And that's what we're seeing that played out with Uvalde. And that's why we need to make sure that in every school we have somebody there who can fight back. I think it's imperative that we have this in every school. And I don't want, I'm not saying that we should have cops in there and, you know, some kids are uh, farting in the cafeteria or they're having a food fight or something like that. And then we, you know, we lock them up. No, I'm not saying that. In fact, I don't want that to happen. I don't want, if you have police in schools, I don't want them busting kids' chops for the kind of stuff that we did when we were kids. Let kids be kids. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, though, is that when you've got a situation where you've got a a, a psychopath coming in there, you need to have somebody respond to that psychopath within seconds. Because that's all you have. Time is not on your side in the situation. That's the reality. All right, we got a lot more to talk about here on the Dana Show. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you for being here. I'm on Twitter at Rich Zioli, R S C H Z E O L I. If you want to weigh in today, be great to hear from you. Dana's going to tell us about one of our great sponsors. Don't go away. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing, and market experts not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like, quote, economic hurricane and unprecedented. So if you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188 or text DANA to 9 Nine nine eight eight nine nine. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. However, we do know this. There's compelling evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, 
there was sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. The officers had weapons, the children had none. The officers had body armor, the children had none. The officers had training, the subject had none. Just incredibly heartbreaking, really, truly frustrating, heartbreaking, a a tragic, absolute, devastating, unacceptable response. That was Texas Department of Public Safety Director Steve McCraw, who uh, began his opening remarks at this hearing that's going on right now, actually, with with the Texas State Senate. Um, Just absolutely heartbreaking, heartbreaking response. Texas Department of Public Safety Director Steve McCraw. And And I don't even know... You know, I think as, as time goes on, too, and more evidence comes out about the the failure of this response, you notice how you don't hear about it nationally as much anymore? Do you, know, you notice that? Because it, it's very inconvenient for the left, very inconvenient for the left to be able to realize that this was a failure of a response. Because then it just completely dilutes their argument that it was all the gun. All right, we got a lot more to talk about here on the Dana Show. It's great to be with you today. With me, Rich Zioli in for Dana. Coming right back. It's getting hot outside, mostly from all the grills firing up. Summer grilling is upon us, and if you're looking for the perfect cuts to put on your grill this year, look no further than Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers is the place to get 100% American meat this summer. I love how easy it is to get all my favorite cuts of beef, chicken, and even seafood shipped right to my door. With meat prices higher than ever, Good Ranchers is giving you free steaks. That's right, free steaks. So right now, get two free 18-ounce prime center cut ribeyes with my code Dana. That's a $100 offer free to you. Visit GoodRanchers.com slash Dana for over two pounds of free ribeye steaks added to your order at no cost to you. This is a limited time deal, so don't miss out on your free 18 ounce prime center cut ribeyes because I promise you they're not going to be around for long. Visit GoodRanchers.com slash Dana and use code Dana. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Dana, code Dana. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. It is the Dana Show. Thanks for being here this afternoon. Waiting on the Dobbs decision in the Supreme Court case. It's Rich Zioli from Dana's affiliate, WPHT in Philadelphia. Thank you for being here this afternoon. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Pro-lifers have been targeted over 40 times in attacks and vandalism and harassment since the leak of the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs, according to a pro-life group that put this information out. 40 different times, the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America group detailed 49 incidents of violence, vandalism, harassment since May 2nd. And at least 47 of those incidents included the targeting of pro-life individuals, events, organizations, pregnancy centers, and churches. This was the whole idea, of course, obviously, of why they did the leak. Lefty law clerk over there wanted to make sure that uh, the justices saw America uh, tearing itself apart. Now, that hasn't happened, of course. But, you know, the reality is that that was the goal. Intimidation. 
Why would they? Why else would they leak it? Did you ever think about that? I mean, you ever stop to think, what, what's the purpose of leaking this this draft opinion? I heard early on some people say, well, it's to fire up the base for midterms. You know, their base. Yeah, but that would happen anyway. If the decision's set to come out in June or July, it has to come out in June or July. Although now I'm getting a feeling the Supreme Court may just wait until the last possible day in July to release this. But it's going to come out, and then the base is fired up then. So releasing a draft version early doesn't achieve anything in that respect for you because it's going to come out either way. So then I was thinking, okay, well, then maybe the idea is that they think that they can um, possibly, because some people thought it might have been a conservative group that was doing it or conservative law clerk that was putting it out there, maybe in a way to to get the conservative base fired up and then the, make sure the justices wouldn't change their mind because they would be uh, nervous about something and they would see the outpouring of support. But they would know that that's how conservative groups would feel anyway. So they wouldn't do that. So, you know, the only reason you do it, the only reason you put this out there, obviously, is because you want everybody who's on the Supreme Court to see America on fire. They want, they were, I think they were thinking it was going to be like the summer of 2020, the summer of love after George Floyd's murder. I think they thought it was going to be like that. Just fires in the streets and flipping over cars. And look, I, there's many on the left who are doing those things. And if they left had their way, they would do more of it. But I don't think from a from the perspective of a Supreme Court justice, even death threats or anything else, there's been anything that would convince them to change their minds. So if, if the goal here was to show like a Brett Kavanaugh or somebody, look, this could be your America if this is what you do. I don't I don't think that's successful for them. But the fact that they talk about a breach, a breach of trust among the Supreme Court, something that's never happened before, something that's literally never happened before in the history of the United States Supreme Court, this kind of a leak. And then you think about what it must say to the other judges to know that now they can no longer trust each other. They can no longer trust each other as, as, as friends and colleagues and everything else. Because a lot of times those Supreme Court justices, they are friends. They all get along well. They just they, they hang out together and things but but here we are we're watching and waiting right now for them to to release this on the on the Dobbs case but it was a big win today for religious liberty this uh this issue in Maine that came up today in in the state of Maine it was a case regarding schools and religious schools and it was a great win for liberty and it was a great win for school choice the court strikes down Maine's ban on using public funds at religious schools and I've never understood the argument from the left on this, other than they obviously hate religious schools. But if, if, if the money's given to the family, the money's given to a kid, go, go to whatever school you want, the kid picks that school, it, it, the state is not forcing religion on anybody. The kid's making the choice. You know, the prohibition, obviously, as you know, on religion when it comes to government is if the government's forcing a religion on somebody, not if it's allowing people to exercise the free exercise of religion, and the school is still going to teach the kids things that are not just completely religious. There will also be a secular component to it. But they ruled that Maine violated the United States Constitution when it refused to make public funding available for students to attend schools that provide religious instruction. And John Roberts wrote the decision. A broad ruling making clear that when state and local governments choose to subsidize private schools... They must allow families to use taxpayer funds to pay for religious schools. Good. Great. If a kid decides that he's going to take the money and he's going to go to a Catholic school down the street or to a friend's school down the street, it's not the state then forcing everybody to become a Catholic. It's the kid choosing to go to that school. 
The only way you could argue that the state was interfering in the free exercise of religion is if the state was blocking it, which they were doing. Now, shockingly, the court's three liberal justices dissented with Justice Sonia Sotomayor cautioning that her colleagues had upended constitutional doctrine and expressing growing concern for where this court will lead us next. The lefties always do that, don't they? It's not just one thing for them. It's always, well, this is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning. It all goes downhill from here. It was a challenge in a system that Maine uses to provide a free public education to school-aged children. In some of the state's rural and sparsely populated areas, school districts opt not to run their own secondary schools. So they choose one of two options. They can either send students to other public or private schools that the district designates, or they can pay the tuition at the public or private school that each student selects. But in that case, state law says government funds can only be used at schools that are non-sectarian. That's schools that don't have any religious instruction. So two families went to court arguing that the exclusion of schools that provide religious instruction violates the Constitution. Now think about it. If your kid wants to go to that school and says, Dad, Mom, I really want to go there. My friends are going to be there. I want to be there, too. It's got a great football team. Love it. Want to be there. But, uh, well, you can. It's Catholic. Why not? Well, the state says that that would be them somehow picking sides in religion or something. Kids, the kid turns around and goes, I don't even care about that. I just want to, I just want to go to the school. <laughs> but the parents don't have the ability to turn around and go, well, sorry, uh, you got to go to the tech school down the street. It could not, it, maybe it's not even a, as good of a school. But you see, the state of Maine wasn't concerned with that. What they were concerned with was making sure that they didn't upset anybody by allowing a kid to take a check and go to a religious school and be with his friends or play football or or worship if that's what the kid wanted to do. And what if the school's better? You know, what if the Catholic school or the religious school is better, the Christian school's better than the, the, the secular school down the street? What if it's better and the kid's missing out on that fact? Kid can't go. Why not? Roberts explained that Maine pays tuition for some students to attend private schools as long as the schools were not religious. He said that is discrimination against religion. It doesn't matter that the Maine program was intended to provide students with the equivalent of free public education, nor does it matter that the program bars benefits from going to schools that provide religious instruction. Regardless of how the benefit and restriction are described, the Maine program operates to identify and exclude eligible schools on the basis of their religious exercise so that is the government discriminating against them it's literally saying to those schools you cannot be part of this you can't be part of this because you are religious so it's an absolute case of discrimination Breyer filed an 18 page dissent that justice elena kagan joined and sotomayor joined in part Breyer emphasized that the supreme court has not previously ruled that a state must or must not use state funds to pay religious education. But remember something, though. It's not a question of saying the state must do this. In this case, what they're doing is they're saying the state is discriminating. The state is looking at one of those schools and saying you cannot do this. You literally cannot do this. So I'm glad this was a big win today. This was a good win for for freedom, and it was a good win for for religious education. It was a good win for uh, for school choice because school choice is so incredibly important, 
and the money has to follow the kid. And the kid should get to, and the family should get to choose whichever school they want. And you'd hope they choose the best school. And if that school happens to be a religious school, so be it. As long as the kid's getting a great education, first and foremost. And if a kid would like to involve religion in their life, then there's nothing in the Constitution that excludes that. In fact, it's the opposite. Remember, the Constitution doesn't give us our rights. Our rights are inalienable rights. So the Constitution is simply there to say what government can't do, and it's very clear what government can't do. Government cannot discriminate against religion. Government can't turn around to the church in town and say, you can't do this, but we're going to let the deli down the street do that because you're religious and he's not. That's discrimination. And that's exactly what Maine was doing here. Oh, and something else, too. You know, the idea that religious liberty can be something that is employed, enjoyed every day, five days a week, is also so antithetical to the left. Because remember years ago, Obama made some comment about you're free to worship however way you want to worship. And people said, it's not about worshiping. I want to live my life a certain way. I want to live my life according to a certain set of values. I want to live my life according to religion. I want to live my life that way. But the left doesn't like that. You know, to the left, they turn around and go, listen, shut it. All right? Save it for church on Sunday. When Monday through Friday, we don't want to hear your little God stuff. All right? Wait till Sunday. Until then, zip it. That's their attitude and everything. But obviously, then that's the state then depriving you of your First Amendment rights. That's the state coming in and saying that you can't enjoy the First Amendment from Monday through Friday. And it's simply a weekend thing. Well, that's not a right. That's an activity. That's soccer that I do with my kids on Saturday morning. The idea that kids might choose a religious experience five days a week makes the left go, oh, yeah, in their core, it cringes. And, oh, they might learn about God. They might learn about Jesus or they might learn about something. Oh, wow. Maybe they're going to a Jewish school. And my, can you imagine this? Yeah, they, they, that idea is so antithetical to them. And it's fine if the kids want to go to church on Sunday. Just don't tell anyone. But the idea that they would go Monday through Friday... May even have worship, may even have church services at the school. <laughs> oh, yeah, they don't like that at all. So, this was a big win. Religious liberty and school choice it was a very, very good ruling today. Um, but there was an 18 page dissent. <laughs> you got to love the left, too, on the court and warning that this is the beginning. This becomes the beginning of the court going even further right on religious exercise of liberty and. Yeah, so the free exercise clause is what the, the justices cited today in the case. It's, it was a good one. It was a big win. But we're still waiting on the Dobbs case. But I always say that religious liberty is equal liberty, and that's the bottom line. And that's what we saw today. Plus, it affirms school choice. Plus, it affirms the idea that parents and kids can know what's best for their education and not the state. Which is another big win, too. That's not won't get as much attention in the fact, but... If the state is out of the decision-making process and it's left to the parents and the kids because you, you have not excluded a certain category of schools, then that also empowers then the students and the families. It gives them more power. And it also empowers religious schools over simply schools of the state with the state curriculum in certain aspects and whatever the state's dogma is. So in that sense, too, a huge win as well. we got a lot more to talk about here on the Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Dana, coming right back. 
free speech, religious liberty, the Second Amendment. Across the country, your constitutional rights are under constant attack, and it's only getting worse by the day, which is why I'm proud to support Patriot Mobile. They're not just America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They're one of the few companies fighting back. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers, so you get the same great service plus the peace of mind that your money is combating the left's attempt to silence you. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer service. Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life, our veteran and first responder heroes. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT and get free activation with offer code Dana. Veterans and first responders save even more, so switch today. Between the left, the media, and rhinos, we need to stick together. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. The chance for nuclear war increases every day that the war in Ukraine continues. I'm Bill Walton. On the latest edition of The Bill Walton Show, national security expert Brandon Weikert and I also discuss how China is weaker than Russia in one key area, why Taiwan's defenses are dangerously weak, and how Joe Biden wants to make the same mistake with Iran that we did with China. Follow The Bill Walton Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's The Dana Show. It is The Dana Show. Thanks for being here this afternoon. Appreciate it very, very much. Uh, Watching more of the blowback against uh, Disney's woke movie Lightyear. And, you know, I was thinking about this, too. The the idea of a a couple things, this uh, the, the lesbian kiss among cartoon characters. And then, of course, the replacing of Tim, Tim Allen from the movie. And, and then Dave Chappelle said something that was pretty interesting, too. Remember, Dave Chappelle got all this blowback because he made trans jokes. And then Netflix, the employees there, walked out. They, they, they were all offended. They were all upset. Do you know that Dave Chappelle's comedy special on Netflix is one of the highest viewed shows in all of Netflix history? That's right. One of the highest viewed shows. So you see, the woke employees at Netflix actually helped propel Dave Chappelle. The woke employees at Disney actually helped kill Lightyear in two ways. Number one, by getting rid of Tim Allen. You cannot convince me that was not done because of Tim Allen's politics. And you like Trump. And by all accounts, although Tim Allen doesn't get overtly political, but by all accounts, he's definitely on probably our side of the aisle versus their side of the aisle. And then, and then, of course, by injecting this element of having a, a this this same sex storyline within within the movie Lightyear, and it, it's it's not that it's even that as much as it's just more about the agenda of it. And parents just don't want to deal with it. They want to just go to a movie and just be able to relax and not think about things and even have to answer questions on the ride home. Like, mommy, I don't understand. Uh, how come she was married to uh, another mommy? Uh, you know, it's just you just don't want to deal with it on the, on the car ride with it, the kids movie. I mean, there's more than enough occasions for that stuff to come up when it doesn't have to be in an animated cartoon. So that's that. As a parent, I can tell you that for me is the big thing. It's one more question I've got to answer from my children. I've already got to answer 500 of them. I just don't need more work to do as a parent. But the truth of the matter is, is that as a parent, you just want to be able to just watch something with your kids and know that they're safe and know that they're enjoying it and not have to walk away with they might have been in some ways sent down a political road, whatever that road is. It's not like there's a lot of people out there that were hoping that Lightyear would have come out and put on a MAGA hat. It's just that we just want to keep that stuff out of kids movies 
and then have places that we can go and enjoy them. And then you cancel Tim Allen. And it's just like trying to cancel Dave Chappelle. Tim Allen has a lot of loyal followers out there. Guy's huge. And I think that if you're a Tim Allen fan, you find out the guy's been canned from a, from a role that he literally created. And, and then in, in four Toy Story movies, and then he's out. I think you're going to say, well, the he, you know, the heck with that. I don't be part of that. And then if if you're if it's Dave Chappelle and Dave Chappelle and 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 they want to cancel Dave Chappelle and then people are going what are they talking what what do they want to cancel him for let me see what the video I want to see what the movie is I want to see what everybody's talking about they wind up watching it they wind up giving him more views so not only is it the old saying of you go woke you go broke and that's true but if if you go woke you'll sometimes help the opposition you'll help the very target of your wokeness. You'll help the enemy of your wokeness. You will. You'll build that person up. I mean, it worked for Dave Chappelle in so many different ways. And, and it's like when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, too, the same thing happened. Suddenly, ticket sales for Chris Rock went through the roof. They did. They started go because people like, I want to I see him. I want to see him now. I want to be there. And there's a, apparently a tour that's going to be happening with Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle together. That will be outstanding. That will be something that is really special to see right there, and you're going to want to see that. So we got a lot more to talk about here on the Dana Show this afternoon. Don't worry. We're just scratching the surface of this. And, yes, there'll be another hearing of the January 6th committee that will be coming out momentarily starting at 1 p.m. What will they find? And more details are coming out about the response in Uvalde, Texas. Just so heartbreaking what occurred there. As Texas police commander says officers could have stopped the gunman. They could have breached the room. They could have gotten the guy, and they didn't. An absolute travesty, a disgrace in every single level. I'll give you more details on that. It's Rich Zioli in for Dana. Hour two, straight ahead. Old routines die hard, like those multiple cups of coffee and sugary energy drinks to stay alert. Well, I discovered a healthier way to get the sustained energy I need without all the caffeine and sugar. Super Beats Heart Chews. I just unwrap a chew or two in the morning and let Super Beats Heart Chews do the rest. I feel great about what I'm doing for my health. Join me in the new way to start your day with Super Beats Heart Chews. I challenge you to try it for 30 days and give them your feedback. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. I've been taking Super Beats Heart Chews for years, and it's an easy and convenient on-the-go boost to your overall health and energy. Make Super Beats Chews an essential part of your busy day. To make it easy to get started, I got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. Hurry, it's their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com for up to 45% off. danasbeats.com. Feeling great. I'm feeling great. What happened was, have you guys ride bikes? Well, they have some that have this thing you put your toe in. I constrained your foot so it doesn't slide off the pedal. When I was getting off the bike, it got stuck on the right side. I fell in case you didn't notice. Fell in case you didn't notice. It is the Dana Show. Thanks for being here today. It's me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia with you. Yeah, you know, it's Biden falling off the bike is one thing. It's Biden falling off the bike and America's economy falling off the bike and crashing to the side of the road. And that's the problem. And suddenly something magical has happened out there. Something so magical it's even hard to believe. And that is this.
it's suddenly now okay to say Biden is really, really old and out of touch. And by saying that, you're also acknowledging what we all know, which is that he's also a gigantic failure. There is more lefty publications now writing this point and making this point, too, that guess what? Biden's old. And, and, and they're doing it in a way that's like, well, he's fine now, but he might he might down the road. It might be hard for him to do the job down the road or something like that. They say, for the most part, Biden's coping fine just now. You know, that's what they all say, whether it's the Atlantic or Vox or some of these other places. They go, but I mean, by the time he's reelected and in the midst of his second term, he'll be in his 80s. And, you know, it just may be one of those situations where. So they're really careful about it. And the reason why is because and this is the little trick here. They don't want it to seem like they're being critical of his policies because they really do like his policies. They just don't like him. I, and, and, and you may think to yourself, he's wait a second, Rich, wait, hang on a second. How can they possibly like $7 a gallon gas? Well, obviously, with $7 a gallon gas, it, it, it leads people towards electric cars. So they're not upset by that. They're not even upset by food prices either. It keeps people in government programs. They're not upset by the fact that there are still millions and millions of job vacancies out there because again it means that there's more opportunity to grow government and get people on the government dole at some point so none of those things are problematic for them no you see what it is is that they know that they're going to lose in midterms and they want to try to change the subject by having this young kind of kennedy-esque figure come about i don't know who that is maybe beto who who knows who their their little their, their fantasy is right now but in their mind you know the they still love JFK and RFK, and maybe they want somebody like that. He just seems old, one senior administration official told me at a social function a few weeks ago. According to this writer from, I think it was um, one of the sites, uh, Axios or the Atlantic or something. He seems old. The New York Times even quoted many Democrat officials as worrying that Biden was too old to run for re-election. Brian Stelter and John Harwood talked about the issue and the Atlantic article. Um, they talked about all these things on CNN. In fact, the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal chuckled and said, Democrats in the media suddenly discover Biden is old. Just like that overnight. Just like that. So what's changed? Hmm. Something is wrong with the president. What's changed? I know what it is, of course. It's that the progressives see an opportunity here. The AOCs, the Bernie Sanders, or that whole lot of people, they've never liked Biden. Biden's never been one of their people. They didn't want him to be there. Democrats never wanted him to be, be there to begin with. Remember, the only reason Biden is there was to stop Bernie Sanders from getting the nomination. Bernie was going to win, and they cannot control Bernie. I often joke that Biden is a puppet. I'm sure you probably joke about that, too. Biden's a puppet and people are pulling the strings on him. But you know as well as I do that Bernie Sanders was going to win the nomination. And all of a sudden, the forces that be coalesce, as they often do in Democrat politics, and they made a decision. Biden's the guy and everybody dutifully got out of the race and they all backed Joe. They kept America's mother-in-law, Elizabeth Warren and and Bernie Sanders in the race to cancel each other out and then biden was able to win because you can't bernie's bernie's a wild card you, you can't stop bernie so here's where we are right now we're at this point now where democrats know they're going to get wiped out in midterms they want to get rid of biden anyway in 2024 they're happy to do it and the other thing too is that and this is something i've always noticed about the left they'll be the first ones to call somebody an ableist 
they'll uh, they'll do all their pro body image stuff. Basically, it's fat models. You know, they'll take a fat model and they'll put the fat model on a m- magazine cover and they go, oh, this is positive body affirmation or like this. They're the first ones to call somebody this phobic, that phobic, to, to call this person an, an ist. But you notice the one area that they are it's open season on is making fun of the elderly. The left does this all the time with their okay boomer. You ever get into an argument with one of these snarky little millennials on social media? And what do they always respond with? Okay, boomer. It's the one area where the left can go after people and they don't get any of their own progressive blowback. It's really fascinating. But they can make old jokes. They can, well, you're just an old white dude. You're so out of touch. You're so old. Look how old he is. They do all that stuff all the time. But if you make fun of somebody for, for any having a disability or something like that, they call you an ableist. There's that whole thing with that woman who gave that the did the song, and she used the word spaz in it, and they then she, she had to apologize and she had to change the word of the of the song because she used spaz and they accused her of being an, an ableist and embodying an abled body person something or other. Like there's there's all these woke words that the left uses constantly, and they're just deciding a moment's notice they're offended by something, except people's age. With that, it's okay, geezer. Look at this geezer. And now they're doing it with Biden, too. And they're doing it with Biden because they really don't like him. They don't ever really want him to be there. They also don't have anyone waiting in the wings. Not yet, anyway. They don't know who that person's going to be. But the New York Times kicked off the kicking of Biden with a story quoting various progressive sages suddenly admitting what everyone else has known all along, that Biden is the oldest serving U.S. president at age 79. He'll be 82 when he finishes his term. He looks and sounds every bit the age. Nobody can deny that fact. In fact, when you think about looking at some people that are turning around and going, wait a second, you mean the dude fell off the bike? Because he's, uh, he's well, how old, wait, how old is he? They're not really shocked by this. But Biden was a convenient idiot to get in there and to stop Donald Trump. And now suddenly they decided they don't need him anymore. Biden was the guy they needed to stop Trump. He did that job. Now they figured out they can move him. They can move him aside. Step aside, old man. Step aside, boomer. Step aside, you old geezer. But doesn't that also tell you something about the state of Democrat politics today? That they are not worried about saying, "Oh, Joe Biden, the great moderate, moved to the left, and now we got to reset by going to the to the middle." No, no, it's not that at all. What it is is this. Ready? We like the fact that Joe Biden has gone far left. We like that. We just don't like him. So now we can get somebody who will keep those wacky policies. We're all in. Sign us up. And they know their policies are going to be losers in the short term, but they think in the end that they'll wind up winning. So they're okay with those things. Remember, you never get a revolution when everybody's happy and healthy and they're all having fun and they're eating pizza and they're swimming and there's ice cream and clowns. Well, maybe scary clowns. That's always a possibility. No, no. You get a revolution when the people are starving. You get a revolution when people are upset by things. You get a revolution. You get a, you get a green revolution when people are paying seven or eight dollars a gallon of gas. You get a revolution when when restaurants and other places can't find employees and start to shutter and start to close and need more government subsidies. Because the revolution the left is looking to put in place is is a soft revolution. It's a quiet revolution. They they already have the people in in place. 
It's now just a matter of expanding government and getting everybody in under the tent. That would ultimately be the the ultimate revolution for them. It's when every person you know, in some way, shape, or form, is taking something from government, and government's power grows. And the, and the check writing grows, too. Another checkie. Here you go. That's the ultimate goal here. So... Think about it from that perspective. I mean, right now we're watching the January 6th hearing comes out. The January 6th hearing is going on. Uh, the Democrats are trying to scare Americans by saying a couple things. If you elect Republicans, you're going to have a, you're going to be more MAGA fascism is coming to America. Oh, and also Roe v. Wade. So women are going to be back in alleys again. But what? But I saw this article on Politico. It said inside the Dems plan, if Roe fa- if Roe falls. Rose overturned a voter turnout blitz. The party is working, working overtime to figure out how to make the expected Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade a top campaign issue amid economic worry. Oh, yeah, that's what it's all about. Fear and scaring people on these various issues. They're waiting. They're hoping. And strategists for the left have drafted fundraising emails that will blast out to millions of supporters in the hours after decision comes out. Don't you realize there's somebody in the war room right now? He's got his finger on the key. He, she, he, he, I mean, he, him, she, her, they, them, whatever their pronoun is in the Democrat war room, because they have to obviously identify their pronouns. First thing they do when they walk in is just say what their pronouns are. That's the first thing. That's how they introduce each other. to Oh, they do. Yeah. How you doing? I'm John. He, him. They do that stuff all the time. I'm not kidding. It's on their email signature now. Their email signature and also their bio on LinkedIn and everything else, too. So they walk in. How you doing? Hey, how are you? Um, I'm Hank. Uh, he, him. Hi, Hank. Yeah, so uh, I'm ready to push the button to send out millions of uh, emails to supporters as soon as Roe v. Wade's overturned. I'll just sit here waiting to hit send on my keyboard. That's exactly what they're doing. And what does that tell you about the Democrat Party? They are just waiting for it. They are waiting with itchy fingers. Never run out of coffee by joining the club with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built upon the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. As a veteran-owned company, Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers on that promise by developing explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus learned as members of the military, and they're committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When you join the coffee club, you select your perfect roast, how much coffee you want, and how often you want it delivered, and it's all shipped right to your door for free. Not only do you save a trip to the store, but you also receive special discounted pricing. You gain access to exclusive products and partner brand discounts. Not sure what roast is best for you? Take the Black Rifle Coffee Quiz and get matched to the perfect coffee roast and then join the club. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana to save 20% off your purchase in your first coffee club order. That's 20% off with promo code Dana at BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. Fuel your life with America's coffee. Black Rifle Coffee. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. Yes, it is the Dana Show. Thanks for being here this afternoon. Appreciate it very, very much. Uh, We got some headlines for you. Let's do it. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So Elon Musk's uh, daughter, who's trans, files to change her name, no longer wishes to be related to him. She cited gender identity in the fact that I no longer live with or wish to be related to my biological father in any way, shape, or form. 
The question is, does she want to be related to his bank account in any way, shape, or form? My guess is the answer to that is probably yes. But again, who knows? Uh, sharks are getting closer to beaches than you might think, according to a new study that just came out. Sharks are getting closer and closer to beaches. And I wonder what the effect of all those ugly, hideous offshore windmills are going to be. Because they have they kill birds. They're the, the giant deli slicers in the sky. They kill birds they knock the heads off the birds and the birds go drop down and the sharks come and eat them so i wonder how much that is adding to things and how much it's going to make things but a university of miami study says that sharks are not avoiding the local shoreline these predators are spending plenty of time quite close to the sights and sounds of the city who can blame them I mean, you know, the boardwalk's got cheesesteaks and it's got games and although it's very expensive, it's a lot of fun. If I were a shark, I'd want to be there too. Plus, from the shark's perspective, all these swimmers are getting heavier and heavier, so it's a smorgasbord. Why not, right? Uh, don't fly. I told you about the dangers of airline travel. Well, a record number of travelers is going to hit the U.S. roads for July 4th weekend. It could be a, a major record because people are getting their flights canceled or they're canceling their flights or they've opted not to fly because they just can't afford the tickets because they're so expensive right now. So even though the, the price of the pump is, is, is so incredibly high right now, millions more people might be on the roads now. Also, too, because since COVID ended, people want to get back out there and see their friends and see their family again, which is also a great thing. Uh, so if you are leaving to go anywhere, leave yourself extra time. You want to do that as well. Um, there's a still movement in cities across the country right now, which is to let homeless people just stay on the streets. It's this idea of well, who the hell are we to tell them they can't be on the streets? And, and they think this now in progressive blue cities across the country, San Francisco and other places. They go, well, who are we to tell that person he's got to find a home or a shelter or something like that? Well, it turns out, according to the Associated Press, that hundreds of homeless are dying in the extreme heat in places like Texas and Phoenix and other places. As the heat swelters, they often don't have the ability to get water. They can't cool down and they wind up dying. So you see, this is what we call the unintended uh, consequences of leftist policies. They think they're being kind and compassionate, letting homeless people stay on the streets and not go to shelters. And instead, what happens is the homeless people wind up dying. It's a horrible situation. And lastly, a bus driver says he didn't know his gummy snacks included THC. He was charged with 38 counts of reckless endangerment after blacking out behind the steering wheel while snacking on gummies that he says he didn't know were infused with THC. Don't you hate that, too? You're having your gummy bears, and the next thing you know, you find that they're actually pot gummies, and you are driving a school bus, and <laughs> what are you going to do? It's, uh, I mean, sharing with the kids, I guess, is one of those things the guy probably could have done, but I don't think he's charged with that. Uh, but he did have a lot of these things with him as he he was found slumped unconscious in the driver's seat of the bus. Wouldn't you like to be on that guy's bus? It was probably going very, very slowly and stopping constantly for Doritos. Which is something you gotta look on the bright side, right? All right. The January 6th Capitol Riot Committee is getting underway right now. Uh, Adam Schiff, little Adam Schiff, that moron is delivering opening remarks. I'll give you the latest on that. Plus, more details are coming out about the police response in Ovalde, Texas. Uh, so much heartbreak, so much frustration and anger over that response. This is The Dana Show. Don't go away.
The mainstream media shies away from the simple questions with hard answers that we all need to hear. I'm Byron York from The Byron York Show. Every day on the No Chit Chat podcast, I bring you the reality of what's going on in our government and around the country with no extra fluff. In my latest episodes, I lay out the blunt facts of what's going on in the District of Columbia, the way the media is misleading the public, and plans that political parties are making. Concise, comprehensible news is what America needs and deserves. I'm here to deliver. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. Hi, my name is Johnny and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, and I'm Kanchi and I use she, her pronouns. And we're here to talk about pronouns. What is a pronoun? A pronoun is how we identify ourselves apart from our name, and it's also how people refer to us in conversations. Using the right pronouns is a really simple way to affirm someone's identity. It is a signal of acceptance and respect. That was from the Navy, the United States Navy, and their pronoun propaganda video. That's right, their pronoun propaganda video that they put out. Uh, Welcome back to The Dana Show. It's Rich Zioli in for you for Dana this afternoon. Uh, I I think the Navy is going to start identifying as we surrender pretty soon basically or maybe we lose or we just give up or we wimps uh the idea now that we're going to start dealing with pronouns in the navy as we say to the enemy hey you they them and then you know shoot them drop a bomb on them uh but this is this is where we are with wokeness now it's infusing every aspect of life it's infusing the military it's infusing every area of Democrats, progressive America. And I guess the other question, too, is why are we supposed to care about the pronoun thing? What is what is this all about other than just another reason for people to be angry? But there is a case where students in a school are actually in trouble for mispronouning people. That's a thing. That's a term now, mispronouning. And they're in trouble for this because they use the wrong pronouns and the school will not tolerate this. So these, these little kids have to deal with this whole issue right now. When we were kids, we didn't have to worry about this stuff. But it's it's you know what it is, too, right? I mean, you know that there are parents out there who are looking for any reason, any reason at all to be offended. They're usually the ones with the masks on. They're usually the ones with the masks on and on, on the school pickup, even though it's outside. Public school charges boys with sexual harassment for mispronouncing their trans classmates. These are kids in eighth grade in the Keele Area School District of Wisconsin. Three boys charged with sexual harassment for failing to use a female classmate's chosen pronouns of they, them. First of all, I've got a real problem with the they, them thing anyway. I think you got to pick a lane. You got to pick a lane. It's he, he, him, or she, her. I think you got one. You don't get to be multiple. Just pick one. We can all live with that, can't we? I'm not even suggesting you got to pick the one that I want you to pick. I'm just saying... Pick one, he, him, she, her, your choice, your decision, but just pick. All right. Uh, it's just crazy. And now they're saying, you know, and now that it's 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 Pride Month right now. And of course, the Democrats are, are running around with that Pride Month. They're saying a record number of LGBTQ candidates are running for Congress. Axios asked a good question. Why are we supposed to care about people's sexual preferences? Why does why does it matter? Really? I mean, what, what who cares? Who cares what their sexual preference is? I, I, I thought we were supposed to be at a point now where that no longer mattered. You know, what, what mattered was the job that the person did, their ability to be a representative, their ability to, to be a good legislator or a good elected official, 
Why does it matter? Why do they constantly have to fly the the pride flag and everything else? And the answer comes down to, again, culture wars. It's the very same reason why Disney put back in the gay kiss into the Lightyear movie after their battle with Disney uh, with Florida because they, they want a virtue signal. Let's back up and understand how we got to this place from very recently. So in Florida, they have the, what's called Don't Say Gay Bill, which doesn't say Don't Say Gay. But it's a bill that basically says to parents, hey, listen, you know, we're going to we're going to keep this stuff out of the kids classroom when they're young. And so when they're young, as in young, when they go watch a movie like Buzz Lightyear, for example, we're, we're just not going to talk about this stuff. Now, I can tell you, I have a first grader. I have a kindergartner and I have a, a two year old. My first grade son doesn't. He doesn't, he's not ready for this stuff yet. He doesn't need to be learning about this stuff yet. He's just having a good enough time in school learning how to write properly and work on his, his penmanship. And he loves math and he loves playing the piano and those other things. He doesn't need to know LGBTQ agendas. Unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of that every single day when they put this on our kids. And it's too much pressure for our kids and they don't need to learn this stuff and they don't need to know this stuff. But... If you're Disney and you've got all these employees there at your company who say, you need to stand up to Ron DeSantis, how dare he say we can't indoctrinate kids at the earliest age possible? And that's really what it comes down to is indoctrination. It's indoctrination at the earliest possible age. Kids, it's easier to take a kid's mind when it's a mush and jelly and and tell it how it has to be at first grade than it is at 10th grade. So if you want to indoctrinate them with your agenda, you do it then. You do it at that age. It's, it's the very same reason why when Disney came out and said we were going to stand up to the state of Florida and then they got into the battle with Ron DeSantis over that, the employees were the ones who pushed it because these companies keep hiring these woke employees at colleges who then go to work at these companies. Go to woke at these companies. Get it? See what I did there? Now, there is starting to be a pushback on this. Like at Tesla, for example, where CEO Elon Musk announced that he was going to lay off 10% of their staff due to a super bad feeling he had about the economy. So, Tesla laid off two high-achieving employees involved with the diversity and LGBTQ initiatives, according to a report that came out on Monday. This is from the Daily Wire. Earlier this month, after Elon, uh, Elon Musk made that announcement, Bobby Beretta Paris, the volunteer president of LGBTQ plus at Tesla, who worked as a recruiter, was among those who lost their jobs. Beretta Paris, Beretta hyphen Paris, that's his name, hyphen Paris, included president of LGBTQ plus on his LinkedIn page, although it is unclear what the designation entailed. Yeah, I, don't, I think it was one of those made up things. An unnamed engineer who volunteered as a diversity and inclusion leader was also let go. Now, they made clear that both separations were part of the broader wave of layoffs, but repeated that both employees had received multiple promotions in their relatively short tenures. You know what I think? I think Musk, as he's about to take over Tesla now, because that's the big breaking news today, is that Elon Musk has gotten the unanimous approval of Tesla's board to take it over. I think Elon Musk is the kind of guy who looks at all this stuff as being just absolutely silly. All this diversity and initiative and equity and inclusion and all this stuff. And you notice how it's diversity and inclusion and equity, die or diversity, inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI, I think is the appropriate way to put it. But you notice it's that word equity in there. See, I have this theory that when you break it all apart, LGBTQ and everything else, what does it all come down to? 
And I think it all comes down, it's the E. It's the equity. It's making sure that everybody gets the same piece of the pie, which is ironic because corporate America is obviously not like that. In corporate America, there's all kinds of different power structures and and, and compensation packages and plans that, that vary. And there's no way that the average person in, in one part of the company is going to make as much as the people in the C-suite. But at the heart of what I think the left's agenda is, is it's the equity and the diversity, equity and inclusion. It's the idea that everybody is the same. It's motivated out of socialism and Marxism. It's the very, very same critique with all that. And the earlier that you can get kids on this idea of everybody's got to be treated a certain way, and, and we all agree that everybody should be treated fairly and given an opportunity and everything, but what they teach is the outcome has to be the same. And in some ways, you've got to be special, and we've got to have special days and months for you, and we've got to, we don't treat everybody the same and then say, go, see who wins. It's we pick we pick and choose. We pick winners and losers. We pick groups that we like. We we decide who's special and who's not. And then we do everything within our power to elevate those people. Elon's behavior in the public sphere is a frequent source of distraction and embarrassment for us in recent weeks. This came out of a letter that was written by multiple fired employees who circulated this letter criticizing the billionaire entrepreneur for his behavior and values. He one time made a joke on Twitter, when you put he, him in your bio, and it was a picture of a red coat, and it said, uh, I love to, uh, to oppress on the guy's hat as he was rubbing patriot blood into his face. When you put he, him in your bio. See, the left hates Musk for all these reasons, that he speaks out against his woke stuff, and he's got the money and they can't stop him. And he has 99.1 million followers on Twitter. So there's very little they can do about it. He also just tweeted out, by the way, that 7-Eleven has their gas prices posted at 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven gas station has the gas posted at $7.11. Oof. Man. That might be a fulfillment of a prophecy, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. I believe it's the case. But anyway, I digress. So... When you look at, I said to you earlier, so what does it matter? You know, Axios did an article, why does it matter that all these LGBTQ plus, plus, plus IA people are running? It matters because to the left, you're not a person. You're part of a group. And ultimately, groups have to be saved and groups have to be coddled, except the ones that have to be oppressed. And then uh, when you are saved and when you're coddled by government, that also usually comes with a check, usually a month of, uh, of, of a designation for you. But it ultimately comes down to equity. That is a big part of what the left is teaching to our children today is this idea of equity of outcomes, not equality of opportunity, but equity of outcomes. The very root of socialism and Marxism is that it's that equity, diversity and inclusion. eh, I mean, they don't really care about that as much. They all usually look the same. No, they really do. I mean, most white liberals look like white liberals. You see them at brunch. They're eating pumpkin pancakes, usually having a mimosa. They look pretty much the same, but it's really the equity part of it that they all believe in more than anything else. And that's why, you know, as so many parents right now are pushing back on the agenda in schools, the left is getting more angry because they realize that we as parents are stepping in and saying, hold it, not so fast. We see what you're trying to do with your agenda. You're not treating, you're not teaching tolerance. You're not. You're pushing an agenda. There's a difference. As parents, we want our kids to be tolerant and accepting to everybody. We do. It's important for us. 
because we don't want to be the parent whose kid is sent home from school for fighting. We don't. Now, if somebody starts with our kids, it's one thing. We want them to finish it, but we don't want our kids to be bullies. We don't. No parent wants that. But if you pay attention to something, though, if you pay attention, you're going to find very quickly that what the left really wants when they start throwing around the word equity is they want everybody to get the same piece of the pie and that's really at the heart of what the school classroom takeover is all about using these various little things i mean i've read some of these books that they're trying to push on kids under the guise of pride month and lgbtq month it all comes down to the same philosophy and that philosophy is the equity of diversity equity and inclusion it's not tolerance of all people it's not love of all people It's equity for all people. And that means that they take some of your money and they spread it around because that's the only way to achieve equity. Not equality, equity. That is what it's all about. Shooting down woke culture one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. By the way, former Vice President Mike Pence said, He's not going to allow the Democrats to use January 6th to distract attention from their failed agenda. And he actually, he praised former President Trump's record. Although he did say that uh, his decision to run for president will not be impacted by Trump's own re-election plans. He did a sit-down with Fox Digital and he said, You know, at a time when we have inflation at a 40-year high, gasoline prices more than doubled since we left office, a crisis at our southern border, war in Eastern Europe, a disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan... Maybe this just comes from living back in Indiana again, but those are the things I'm focused on. And frankly, those are the things people talk to me about everywhere. The issues that are bearing upon the American people are, as is often the case, not what Washington is focused on. And I'm saying all this in the context of the January 6th hearing right now, because what they're talking about at this moment, of course, is still January 6th. It's not gas prices. It's not food prices. And I understand that Congress can walk and chew gum at the same time. But remember, people don't know that they they turn on the TV. If they see this hearing, which is probably, again, I'm going to guess on every channel again, although maybe NBC jumped out of it to go to golf. Oh, there were so many woke, angry tears when that happened last week, when NBC jumped out of the hearing to go to the U.S. Open. But my point is that somebody turns this on. They go, what are you doing for me? What are you doing for me? I don't understand. What does this have to do with me? I can't afford gas. I can't afford food. Why are you showing this? There's a backlash that is happening, I'm telling you. Actually, CBS is showing, I believe, the bold and the beautiful. They've stopped even broadcasting this. Isn't, oh, nope, they still have it. Never mind. Nope, I was wrong. The bold and the beautiful, and I clicked on it, and then some old uh, uh, bald dude is lecturing me, so that's definitely not the bold and the beautiful, that's for sure. It's like Skeletor on TV right now. Uh, January 6th was a tragic day, uh, Mike President, President uh, Vice President Pence said. And I know we did our duty, but I will always be proud of our record. And I'm not going to allow Democrats to use that tragic day to distract attention from their failed agenda or to demean the intentions of 74 million Americans who rallied behind our cause. Because Pence knows that he can't get elected based on January 6th if he runs for president. It's got to be about the Trump record. Uh, but Got a little Florida man for you. Let's do it. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida man. So a Florida man dropped people off at the airport during a deadly police chase. 
which I admire this guy. I mean, you got it. That's very considerate of him, don't you think? This man led the police on a chase outside of Tampa, um, but he wound up, you know, driving people at the airport, which he actually stopped to do that, which was the vehicle continued to Tampa International Airport in the middle of the chase uh, where it stopped and allowed two adult female passengers out of the car. I mean, they had to catch a flight. You know, look, if you're a good friend, you're a good friend. You drive somebody to the airport. You know what I mean? You don't you don't get distracted by the fact that the cops are chasing you because the plane that waits for no man. You know what I mean? No, no person. I should say no plane waits for no person. So that's a guy you want to drive to the airport. Number one, you're getting there in time because he's speeding. It's obviously it's a police chase. And number two, he's not going to get distracted by silly things like the fact there's lots of cops at an airport, for example. So uh, this guy was accused of stealing over $10,000, $10,000 in lottery tickets from his own gas station job. <laughs> yeah. So you see, there's an old saying, you know, you don't blank where you eat. You know what I mean? It's kind of that situation. He stole around $10,000 worth of lottery tickets from the cashier counter. And if you win, the problem is they go, where'd you get the ticket? Oh, right here. Where you work? Yeah. Did you pay for it? Um, no, I borrowed it, but now I have the money. So here's the, here's the dollar. You know what I mean? See, you're good for it if you win, I guess, right? And then this guy, this genius, he stole more than $12,000 in clothing from the Ross store that he worked at in Florida as well. So again, you know, if you're stealing from where you work, it's very easy for people to spot you because you work there. This is the Dana Show. Coming right back. It is the Dana Show. Good afternoon. Rich Zioli in for Dana. I'm from WPHD in Philadelphia. Great to be with you this afternoon on a busy, busy day. Uh, No Supreme Court ruling today, excuse me, on Dobbs, the abortion case, but big ruling on religious liberty, as I got into earlier today. It was a big win in Maine for religious liberty and school choice, saying that the state of Maine was discriminating against religious schools by not allowing children to use their state money to go to those schools. So that was a big win for liberty, a big win for religious freedom, a big win for school choice. And uh, the other big story today still has to do with Uvalde and the response there. A couple things I've noticed about this. Now, we're all finding out that the response was was abysmal and the orders by this chief are so incredibly mind-blowing. And today, the head of the Texas Department of Public Safety is talking before the Senate committee. And, you know, one of the officers on the scene said, if there's kids in there, we need to go in. We need to go in. They had guns, they had shields, they had tools, but they did not have clear orders. And the DPS director, Steve McCraw, says officers in Uvalde could have taken down the gunman within three minutes had the commander not hesitated. Three minutes. I mean, it's just furious. Fur- it, it's so incredibly infuriating what happened here. But you notice something how, as a nation, we're not talking about Uvalde as much. And it's not because it's old news. It's because one, the minute that this became the story... Then suddenly now the left in the media just had to shut down. Now, I imagine there'll be a little snippet about this tonight on the evening news, but they they had to completely shut down because they want this to be only about the guns. In fact, their whole argument, which is that cops in schools, bad thing. We don't need more cops in schools. We don't need law enforcement presence, everything like this. We just got to get rid of guns. That's their whole argument. Now, you would think to yourself, well, then wouldn't they want to use this 
to prove that point and say, see, even when there were cops on the scene, they still couldn't stop the guy. So the problem is the guns. No, you see, because the problem for them is that this was an unnecessary failure by law enforcement because of one guy's decisions, the chief, when all these other cops wanted to do something. And it could have easily gone the other way where they put this animal down within minutes, within minutes. But that doesn't really help the 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 leftist narrative that he's going to go out there and get guns and that guns and just have to take care of the guns and then we're fine. And then you have anything to worry about anymore. Because if, if the cops had just right away taken him down, it would have been it would have proven everything that we say, which is the answer to this is to have armed agents or teachers or somebody there, somebody who is able to then respond and push down one of these monsters. That's our argument. We're never going to solve the problem of evil or crazy or the intersection of evil and crazy. So you got to have somebody push back and fight them and put them down. That's our argument. And it would have proven true in this case had you not had a coward for a police chief. Or a guy who was just so bad at his job and incompetent that this is what occurred because he did not give the proper orders. A teacher called 911 at 11.29 a.m. The shooter walked through the school parking lot at 11.31 a.m. And the gunman fired multiple shots at 11.32. Because don't forget something. Surveillance footage shows a school district police vehicle entering the school parking lot and driving by the shooter at the very same time he walks into the building. The shooter enters the school. He fired multiple shots outside the school. Then he enters the school at 11.33 a.m. Now, a teacher did close the door. The automatic lock failed. So again, that's the kind of thing that we also talk about, locks and everything else. And there's always going to be problems, of course, unfortunately, with things like that. But the police officers rushed to the same door that the gunman used to enter within three minutes. Actually, really within two minutes. The shooter entered the school at 11.33 a.m. Uvalde police entered the school at 11.35 a.m. They, they walk into the building. They receive grazing wounds from the gunman. They retreat. The, the chief of the school district's police department arrives at the scene around the same time. He does not have his radios. Arandondo wanted both hands on his gun if he encountered the shooter and believed the radios would have slowed him down, according to his attorney. More law enforcement officers enter the school at 1136. This is when they enter the school now, and they have the proper protection, and they have more guns. Gunman fires 16 more rounds. Law enforcement indicates at 11.30 a.m. Law enforcement, they say that he is contained. Arandano calls the Uvalde Police Department at 11.40 a.m. There's more gunfire. He calls the landline of the Uvalde Police Department from his cell phone to describe his situation. 11.41, law enforcement indicates the suspect is barricaded and still shooting. And there are police officers inside the building, right outside the classrooms, waiting for somebody to get a key to doors that are not locked. And Uvalde police officer's wife is shot, and she could be heard telling other officers as he arrives inside the school that his wife has been shot and she was bleeding to death. That was at 11.48 a.m. So what we had today, and what, and, and I mean, it goes on, and I'm not going to torture you with the minute-by-minute play throughout the entire ordeal that lasts for over an hour, obviously, 
But I think the one thing we can take away from this is the tactics here were just pure all wrong. The tactics here were all wrong, and that is at the heart of what happened here. But the reason why you're not going to hear too much about this is because, I mean, the left could use it as an opportunity to say, ha, you see, you can't count on police because uh, and that's why you got to go after the guns. But the truth is that if the police had just been able to do the job that they were trained to do and not been hand tied by the chief, then this would have been resolved very quickly. And then that would have proven our point. And I know you can sit there and you go, yeah, but how can you say that when it didn't work? Because there's going to be sometimes a bad response. There's going to be sometimes mistakes that are made, human mistakes. But still, our way would have worked had the rules been followed, how the rules of engagement would have worked. The problem is they weren't. They weren't followed. And it actually proves to me something that I've said for so long, which is you've got to have somebody on the inside, not the outside. Because you don't, you cannot wait and you can't breathe a second here. So you have to make sure that you've got somebody who can respond within seconds, not minutes. That's the difference. Played this earlier, but it's worth playing again. This is the um, Texas Department of, uh, of Safety chief today speaking before the Senate committee as they're reviewing the response to all this. Um, cut 11, Steve. However, we do know this. There's compelling evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, there was sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. The officers had weapons. The children had none. The officers had body armor. The children had none. The officers had training. The subject had none. It's, it's so heartbreaking. But you see... That's the thing is that we could have we this could have been done the right way. And I still believe that the answer to all of this without question, without question in my mind, is this idea that we have a response very, very quickly. But I still I think most parents agree with that point, too. I really do. I think most people agree that we need to have armed police in schools or armed teachers in schools. I think they agree with this. It's like safe communities. It's like having the police. You know, it's the same thing with the defund the police movement. And how many times the left argued that and overwhelmingly rejected, rejected everywhere by people left and right. In fact, I saw the other day a story in Philadelphia. I mean, the city of Philadelphia, where I broadcast from, the other over the weekend, 27 people shot, nine killed. Outrageous. Just outrageous. So they have this new partnership now between the Philly cops and the state police. And they're working together. And they go to this one guy who's in this neighborhood, this African-American guy. And he talks about how he thinks this is a great thing because we need to have more policing in the neighborhoods. Now, I'm sure that that floors elitist politicians like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who can't imagine why this man would want more of the racist oppressors in his community. But the truth is that they look at the police as people that are going to stop bad guys and protect them. And keep the neighborhood safe. And it's egghead academics and socialists like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who look at them as racist oppressors. 
and and and, it's, and they're the same people that refer to people as Latinx. You know what I mean? They're the same people, the egghead academic socialist types that refer to people as Latinx, which doesn't mean anything. It's a completely made up thing. In fact, it's the opposite. It infuriates people because nobody talks like that. Nobody does. No, I mean, nobody does. They made this up. It was made up in a faculty lounge somewhere. This is the Dana Show. We got a lot more to cover, including the economy, stupid. It's still the economy, stupid. That was a point years ago made by James Carville. Now the left thinks it's the opposite. They think it's January 6th, stupid, but it's not. It's still the economy. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. It is the Dana Show. Thanks for being here today. Watching the uh, January 6th hearing right now. They got the all-star panel on CBS. I don't know about you, but I kind of missed the bold and the beautiful. They got them all on right now. They're like six or seven people analyzing all this. I just, I don't know. I don't think the average American cares. I think the average American just looks at January 6th. They're not happy about what happened, but they got a life to lead. And they've, I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five people. Major Garrett and Nora O'Donnell and a whole bunch of other people sitting around talking about this at the table. I just Does it connect with everyday Americans? No, I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I mean, if every problem was solved, maybe. But otherwise, I don't know. I mean, I'll give you an example. We're talking about inflation and everything like this. Here's, um, here's Biden joking, snapping at a reporter, snapping at a reporter for asking about uh, economists warning of a recession. Here, uh, let's, let's do this, Steve. Uh, cut number five. I, I, I promise. Recession's even more likely than ever. Not the majority of them aren't saying that. Come on, don't make things up, okay? Now you sound like a Republican politician. I'm joking. That was a joke. That was a joke. But all kidding aside... No, I don't think it is. Yeah, all kidding aside, that was a joke. No joke. That was a joke. No joke. True. True story. True story right there. No joke. Um, I, I think I, I think that's what's on people's minds right now is that. No, no question about it. So, I don't know. I mean, 20 million people watched the primetime hearing that was on at night. And since then, they've all been on during the day. I think most people would rather see the bold and the beautiful. Not that Nora O'Donnell's not bold and beautiful, but come on. All right, we got to use some headlines. Let's do it. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. I guess you could add this in the file of the great resignation. Is Pope Francis resigning? Catholics wait with bated breath as rumors that the pontiff may step down swirl. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's time for the Pope to leave. And what's he going to do when he leaves? You know what I mean? Because he got bored in retirement. And then it's kind of a hard thing to get a second job after that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you'll meet somebody working at Brooks Brothers or, you know, do Uber Eats. And, ah, I'm retired, you know. Oh, what'd you do before this? I was the Pope. I was the Pontiff. Oh. Well, um, here's a tip. Thanks for delivering my burrito. I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Just seems a little bit strange right there. But maybe he will retire. I don't know. I doubt it. My guess is he goes all the way. Minnesota grapples. Grapples and prepares prepares to host a World Expo 2027 in Minnesota. Their pitch, people from around the world will share health and wellness innovations at the World Expo. I think it's good. You know, I'm glad this stuff is coming back. I really am. Uh, And I'm glad monkeypox has not scared anybody away from all this. New Jersey had its first case of monkeypox. One case. And I listened to my idiot governor, Phil Murphy. I call him King Philip the Unaccountable. I listened to him go on TV and talk about how everybody should be careful. Careful with one person. There's nine million people in the state. Uh, A little girl uh, had to sleep on the floor of the airport. 
as American Airlines and service to three destinations and 380 flights were canceled. 3,600 flights delayed on Monday with 100 already late or axed for Tuesday. I get you got to be crazy to fly right now. I mean, if you have to fly, fly. You gotta do what you got to do. But massive cancellations. This story from CNBC. Hollywood weekend sees massive amount of flight cancellations. 2.4 million people traveled through checkpoints, and there were at least 1,100 flights on average a day canceled. Actually, Thursday had 1,700 cancellations. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm driving this holiday weekend. But now they're saying more people are going to be on the roads for 4th of July. Record travel, even though gas prices are up. You know why? Because everybody wants to get away. We all want to get away from it all. We really do. And um, five major U.S. cities all on track to break their 2021 homicide records. Can you guess what they all have in common? Hmm. What could they be? Let's think about it. This is The Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli. More coming up. Don't go away. The weird, the unusual, and the hilarious. Check out Dana's Absurd Truth podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Dana Thank Show. Uh, how soon can we expect a decision? Well, I hope I have a decision based on the data I'm looking for by, uh, by the end of the week. That was the president asked about a gas tax holiday. Welcome back to the Dana Show. It's Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philly in for Dana today. Uh, a gas tax holiday. Well, here's the problem for Democrats. They don't actually want a gas tax holiday. They want you to pay as much as possible. They want you to feel the pain as much as possible. They want you to hate your car and get an electric vehicle. That's the reality. Of course, now they hate Tesla because of Elon Musk. It's all very complicated. Don't you feel like they have such a love-hate relationship with themselves and electric vehicles? I mean, really, Elon Musk made electric vehicles popular for the masses, but they hate him now because he's also making free speech popular to the masses. So they don't know what to do. They're very conflicted. There's a lot of times you see Teslas and they have stupid license plates on there and stickers, you know, things like zero emissions and, you know, and you hear idiots like Stephen Colbert go out there and go, you know, I don't care how much gas is. It can go to $14 an hour. I drive a Tesla. <laughs> Speaking of that guy, he was apologizing, not really apologizing, the fact that his staff got arrested for an insurrection at the Capitol, saying that everybody behaved uh, professionally. But it's a lie because they asked his people to leave and they didn't leave and that's why they got arrested. But let's think for a moment. I I just did a quick check during the break of all the channels and yeah, all the channels during the day, ABC, CBS, NBC, they're all they're all doing the January 6th thing. They're all, they're all showing it right now. I guess they feel like if one's doing it, they all have to do it. It seems like collusion to me, but, you know, whatever. Um, but if the economy is still the number one issue, here's Biden economic advisor Cecilia Rouse, 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 how do you say her name? Uh, talking about um, how um, Build Back Better and all of this now is going to help address all this. Cut number 10. So the president is focused on inflation. And in fact, Build Back Better is a long, is, is a... Uh, a long-run investment so to increase the economic capacity so that we're better able to address inflation. Parts of Build Back Better include addressing costs such as prescription drugs. It, inc- it includes making investments to make the transition to clean energy, which we know we need to be making as well. So that's not the kind of dollars that is stimulus. It's investment, and it's the kinds of investments that we know actually pay for themselves over time. Only Democrats can say that government spending is an investment. You notice that? Only Democrats can say that spending more money is actually investing in something. Giving people money that the other people are paying to the government 
and that that's somehow an investment. Um, but the transition to clean energy is everything. It, it's everything is guiding that premise right there. You know, in New Jersey, they're going to do off the Jersey Shore this horrible, ugly, hideous windmill thing. Hundreds of windmills the size of the Eiffel Tower. And they're going to kill birds and they're going to kill clams and mollusks and mussels and all kinds of things and do massive damage to the ocean floor. And they're going to hurt whale migration routes. They're going to hurt fisheries. They're going to hurt fish. Possibly tourism as well. I don't want to sit on the beach and look at these ugly things. And you will be able to see them because they're 12 to 15 miles out, but they're massive. It's like looking at the Eiffel Tower. So, of course, you're going to see them on a clear day in the horizon. I was on the beach and forget about everything. I don't want to see these ugly things. But you know why they're doing them, right? I mean, they could do nuclear power, but the left hates nuclear, hates it. So they're all about wind. And the reason why they're doing this is because the windmills are the new hate has no home here signs. That used to see on people's lawns. I guess those signs, hate has no home here, which went up after Trump. And then during COVID, it was, we believe in science. I think those signs were up. You know, we believe in science. Then there was the combination sign for a while. It was the, um, in this house, we believe love is love. Science is science. We, so it was, like, it was like combining all the woke messages. And typically, there's also a Ukraine flag flying as well on the property. <laughs> And and during May, they didn't cut the grass. No, if you realize back then, you see, if I had been on the air with you back then, I could have told you about that. There was this effort underway called No Mow May, where people were not mowing the lawn for bees. As they said, it was better for the bees. And what I noticed in my casual observations, walking around upscale neighborhoods, was that the house, and having the police obviously come and try to pick me up for walking around upscale neighborhoods, obviously, was that the same houses that had the hate has no home here signs or the we believe in science or the love is love or the whatever and the Ukraine flags also had their lawn was not cut during the entire month of May. I just found all those things because it's about virtue signaling as much as humanly possible. It's, look, I don't cut my grass. You do? What, you hate bees? You don't care about Ukraine? What, you don't believe in science? What, you don't love people? It's always virtue signaling with the left. They do it all the time with everything. And that's what windmills are. Windmills are a gigantic monument to virtue signaling and climate change. And it says, look, my, my love of climate change is bigger than yours. And Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey, who has a very, very small windmill, if you know what I mean, has to compensate. By building big, massive windmills off the shore of New Jersey. Hundreds of them to compensate for his own small, tiny little windmill that he has in his. So anyway, so the governor, so so hundreds of these ugly, hideous things because he wants to run for president. And when he runs for president, he wants to be able, as Democrats do, say, I'm more woke on climate change than you. I built hundreds and hundreds of ugly, hideous windmills. That's the truth. And that's what it's all about. So Democrats really don't want Biden to give a gas tax holiday. Some do because they understand people are struggling. But also, what is a gas tax holiday going to do? Nothing. It's not going to do a damn thing. It'll get to be look like you're doing something, but they probably won't do it unless they'll find a way to give you a check directly because they always got to have their name on something. And the truth is that if we were just drilling more, our capacity is down by about 12% now. If we were just drilling more, we could be at a point where we could be making the supply that we need, but instead we don't have that, and that's why prices are soaring. That's what's going on here. 
But there's so much of this woke stuff, too, that's affecting things. But still, I think the economy is everything. Here's a little montage by our friends at Fox News. A bunch of White House officials saying, don't worry about a recession. It's not inevitable. Cut seven. Chair Powell has said that his goal is to bring inflation down while maintaining a strong labor market. Um, that's going to take skill and luck, but um, I believe it's possible. I don't think a recession is inevitable. Not only is a recession not inevitable, but what we as policymakers can do is take steps to build on our unique strengths in the American economy and try to get to that, er- that stable and steady growth that we all want to get to as quickly as possible. Inflation obviously is happening globally. A recession is not inevitable. A recession is not inevitable. It's globally. It's actually not true. China, the recession there is only about 3%, not the 12% that we're seeing here in this country. That's the reality right now, and everybody's feeling it. Everybody is feeling it, no matter where you go. Um, is Trump going to run again in 2024? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to run or not. I have no idea what he's going to do. He's going to. Nobody does, because he's going to decide what he's going to decide, and he, he might change his mind, and he might run anyway and he might who knows but he did make a funny joke about biden falling on a bicycle uh cut number nine one of the greatest travesties of all is to see a person in the white house who even after years of political experience has absolutely no clue how to be the president of the united states and i hope he has recovered because as you know he fell off his bicycle today no i'm serious i hope he's okay fell off a bicycle. I make this pledge to you today. I will never, ever ride a bicycle. That was pretty good. He also talked about Ron DeSantis. There's a lot of question about whether or not if Trump runs, then will DeSantis run or will DeSantis skip this one? I think a lot of people like DeSantis. I think that if, first of all, if Trump doesn't run, DeSantis gets, he's he's the favorite of most if not all Trump voters, not all, obviously, but an overwhelming majority of them, I think, no question about it. Uh, cut number eight. Well, I don't know that he wants to run. No, I have a good relationship with Ron. I don't know that he wants to run. I haven't seen that. You're telling me something that I have not seen. So we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, if he did, he did. But no, I was very responsible for him getting elected. So we'll see who, excuse me, who winds up running. But I think one thing is obvious, though, if DeSantis runs, he's in very, he's very much like Trump, but without the baggage, obviously, that Trump brings to the table. And he loves to fight. He loves to battle. He loves to go after Disney. He loves to go after all these woke corporations. He loves that. Uh, And he also did something recently by not only standing up for the Tampa Bay Rays, but by saying that we're not going to be funding stadiums, which is I've long talked about this. You know, enough is enough with us paying for all these billionaires and their baseball stadiums and their football stadiums. In Buffalo, New York, I think the state's going to spend something like a billion dollars, the state of New York, to build a new stadium in Buffalo. I just don't think we need to be subsidizing stadiums for people. We don't need to be doing that. You know, these companies, these, these teams have enough money, and they make most of their money on TV advertising anyway. Have you noticed how expensive it is to go to a game lately? You try to bring your kids to a game, and it's incredibly expensive, and, and then you know that your taxpayer dollars fund the stadium too? 
No way. No thank you. Uh, School choice and religious liberty advocates won a big, big win at the Supreme Court today. States may not exclude members of the community from an otherwise generally available public benefit because of their religious exercise. That is the big takeaway of the show today here on The Dana Show from what the Supreme Court ruled in that case in Maine. And I said to you, it's absolutely discrimination. If, if I treat the church and the deli differently, then I'm discriminating against the deli. No doubt about that. So in this case of imagine if everybody had a food voucher that they could use um, and, the, and, and the church had, a, had a, a, a deli and then there was a deli down the street. But I said you could only buy food from that deli, the secular deli. You couldn't buy it from the church's deli even though the church had a valid board of health license and was selling things. that would be Everybody would agree that that's discrimination. Nobody would doubt that. Could you imagine that if I said you couldn't buy, here's five bucks. Here's a benefit. You can go buy a sandwich voucher, better example, sandwich voucher. You can go down and buy Lenny's Deli, you could buy it, or you, but you can't buy it from the Jewish Deli down the street that happens to be owned by the Jewish temple down the street because we don't want to patronize religious institutions. We think that's separation of church and state violation. You go, but that's discrimination. And of course it would be. But with education, the state and the left always argue that if we gave a kid a voucher or money to use at a private school that happened to be a Christian school or a Catholic school or a Jewish school or something like that, that that would be in somehow now establishing a state religion. And that is absolutely not the case. There, there's no violation of the Establishment Clause here. We're not establishing a religion in the state of Maine. If we give Johnny a check to go to the Catholic school for his education, no more so than if we gave Johnny a check to buy a sandwich from a Jewish deli. We are absolutely not creating a religion, and we're absolutely not violating anything either. But the only thing we are doing when we tell them that, sorry, here's a pot of cash. And we're going to hand this out to various educational institutions, but you can't get any because you happen to be religious is we are discriminating against them for being religious. So this was a big win today for religious liberty and a big win for school choice as well, because the Supreme Court validated that the the money should follow the child and that child should get to use the money wherever they like at any private school that they like, whether it's religious or secular. And it does not violate anything. There is nothing neutral about Maine's program. The state pays tuition for certain students at private schools so long as the schools are not religious. That is discrimination against religion. A state's anti-establishment interest, that means establishing a religion, does not justify enactments that exclude some members of the community from an otherwise generally available public benefit because of their religious exercise. And shockingly, three liberals on the court dissented. Big shocker there. This is The Dana Show. Coming right back. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. You know, don't pretend for a second like Democrats are disappointed by gas prices. They caused this. They caused all this. Freedom from economic research, or excuse me, let me start over again because I just wound up completely botching that as the day goes on. Isn't that something? The foundation for economic education, excuse me, three things Biden has done that increased gas prices. It just came out today, as a matter of fact. Number one, canceling drilling leases and limiting domestic production. 
halting federal permits for oil and gas drilling and leasing shortly after taking office, blocking drilling in a major oil-rich Alaskan region. Yes, they will mostly affect future production, but that does still significantly affect gas prices because companies factor in their expectations about the future into the decisions they make today. Number two, choking regulations that impose big costs and lead to higher prices. The Biden administration has proposed and implemented a wide array of regulations on the energy sector, inflicting billions in direct financial costs and incalculable indirect compliance costs, further harming expectations for the future. It's a regulatory chokehold imposed by the Biden administration on oil production in place of this Green New Deal. And it has drastically raised gasoline prices, hurting lower income people the most, according to conservative economist Vance Ginn. It's yet another example of the high cost of big government environmentalism when the better approach is to remove government barriers so the free markets can better let people adapt to changes in the environment at a much lower cost. Third thing that Biden has done to directly drive up gas prices, anti-energy rhetoric that discourages investment, rhetoric matter, words matter. And as these companies know, when they hear them constantly attacking fossil fuels, they think twice about making investments. They see this president kill the, can- kill the Keystone XL pipeline. They see him blocking leases. They see him restricting imports. They see him pursuing more regulations. And they get nervous about making the kind of investments they have to make. Absolutely. These are all terrible things. And this administration's doing. Look, it's been fun hanging out with you. I'll be back with you tomorrow. I'm on Twitter at Rich Zioli. But for now, let's hand it over to Steve. All right. So uh, a preschool teacher was out there, uh, and I don't know how to call this stupid or not, but she came out as trans to her four, four, four-year-old students. So here. Today on the last day, I finally decided to come out to my kids. And my kids are older. They're four and five. And... The way that I did it is just read him a book about this teddy bear that uh, kind of comes out as a trans girl. And it's really nice and it's very simple. They understood it right away. And I think what made me cry the most was that afterwards, like, I kind of looked at them and there was just a silence in the room. And I just thought, like, oh, my God, now they see me. I don't want to react to that, but all right. 